Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based preaching resource designed to ask the provocative questions of how politics could appear in our preaching this week. My name is Jackie Embry. I'm a newly retired United Reformed Church minister. I have worked with churches across Birmingham and Bolton and Salford, and as moderator of the United Reformed Church's Mersey Synod. I'm now living in Kendall on the edge of the Lake District. Each week I'm joined by a different guest, and today I'm very pleased to introduce the Reverend Yusuf Guljari. Yusuf is a retired Anglican priest, currently working on projects challenging racism and the legacy of slavery in Scotland. Yusuf has two sons and three grandchildren and works as a supply teacher in Edinburgh schools, teaching science. His current responsibilities include being a committee member of cross-party group Holyrood Challenging Racism and Religious Prejudice, and as the moderator of the Iona Community Challenging Racism Common Concern Network. So Yusuf, welcome, and thanks very much for coming on the podcast this week. Thank you for inviting me. I'd like to start by asking you whether you think politics and the pulpit do mix. Absolutely. Um, I was looking at the uh, Mark passage and Mark in general, and we find and Jesus uh, walking along, uh, picking corn on the Sabbath, or going out of his way to find um, people from out with his culture in Syrophoenicia, and he's challenging the Pharisees directly with the Sabbath. I think his actions are quite political, in fact, in Mark, and he's he's trying to uh, come out with these normal cultural uh, bounds or, or restrictions. And I think also the other the other thing about that is that the gospel kind of relates to the whole of life. So clearly, you know, politics is part of the life that we lead. So how we structure society and everything else. So it has a lot to do with it. Great. And just some headlines that um, surround our context today. And a, a report is just out by a leading UK scientist saying that lives are being blighted by increasingly unhealthy childhoods. It highlights a series of worrying health trends, including a stalled infant mortality rate, a decline in vaccine uptake, soaring obesity and preventable tooth decay. The underlying problem is increasingly deep poverty in the UK, and the report urges politicians to act now to boost well-being. The UK and the US military have continued to attack positions in Iraq that they believe are linked to the Iranian-backed Yemeni groups. That's the third such coordinated attack on Saturday. A group of Methodists are meeting this morning to discuss an arms fair that's being organised in their area. With all the violence in the world today, many are questioning the UK's desire to establish itself as the world's second largest arms exporter. The unpredictable weather in the UK continues to bring concern. We're due to have spring temperatures followed by snow and the potential for flooding this week. A grandmother in Essex has died after a dog attack whilst visiting her grandson. The Grammy Awards have recognised the contributions of musicians, songwriters, producers and engineers, including the best new artist R&B star, Victoria Monet. The first time since 2002 that a female R&B act has received the award. And some more good news. Due to the work over the last 40 years, including a six-month truce in the Sudanese war, 
the world is very close to eliminating guinea worm, which lead to debilitating pain for those infected by them. Last year, cases were down from 3.5 million to 13 across four African countries. Church-wise, this coming Sunday is Transfiguration Sunday. February is LGBT plus History Month. And this coming Sunday, the 11th, is both Racial Justice Sunday and Church Action on Poverty Sunday. And of course, Lent starts on Wednesday, the 14th of February. The readings for this Sunday are 2 Kings 2, 1 to 12, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 to 6, Psalm 50, 1 to 6, and Mark 9, 2 to 9. So, Yusuf, where would you start with this week's readings? Yes, I think I would start with the Gospel reading, uh, the Transfiguration. I think it's quite relevant for Racial Justice Sunday, in fact, because we find Jesus on the mountain uh, transfigured. I mean, he's the same Christ as before. He hasn't changed. But what happens is there's a change in the disciples that witness this like godlike event. And I think they're changed when they come back down the mountain. If, you, if you're reading Mark, you'll see Jesus is action man for the first half. He's over 15 miracles, the demons casting out. He's all over, he's just doing everything. And the disciples are like in awe. Then they go up the mountain and he comes back down and they hear God's voice saying, this is my son, listen to him. So the next chapter of Mark, when they come back down the mountain, is, is really about them sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to his teaching. There's a very few miracles that I think he raises a boy who's, who's nearly dead and he, 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 you know, he heals Bartimaeus who's blind. That's about it. Um, so there's been a change in the disciples, I think, on the mountain. And I think the way I would access this would be to think, well, have I ever had a, a mountaintop experience? Or, you know, have I ever seen something which I would stand in awe of? And yes, I would. A sunset, a beautiful sunset, I would stand in awe of. And it would have a deep resonance within me. And uh, the mountaintop experience, I might, I might add, is I was on top of Dali and Iona. And a cloud descended, literally, and you could not see the edge of the of, of Dali. Now, it's a very small hilltop, but regardless, I was leading a pilgrimage of the 16 people behind me. So I, they had to trust when I said it's this way. Nobody knew which way it was. So they all followed me off this, this hillock. It could have been dangerous because we could have got off the edge. So there you go. But what they didn't know is that I'd been running up and down Dali for the last, like, four weeks I was working on Iona. So I knew the way down. So there was a kind of trust in that. There was a confidence in me that I knew what I was doing. And I think that empowerment um, that the disciples face on the, on, on the mountain is really important for them when they come back down. And I think that, that, that resonance is to do with Racial Justice Sunday because we need to change. We need to change how we see things, our understanding, our perspective, we need to get more literate about racism. Uh, we need to um, basically um, join in that conversation with institutional racism and how how that affects society. And churches are well placed to be educators in places where you can actually, you know, bring these issues forward and use your whatever um, resources you have to to educate people. 
Because, I mean, part of what comes from the cloud is is listen to him. And at that time, the disciples didn't want to hear about the cross and trouble ahead. Mm. What is it we don't want to hear today? Well, I'm not sure. I think I think we maybe um, are, are, are feel guilty about the past. So we're not sure how to deal with when faced with the 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 consequences say of slavery going back centuries i i see that in scotland when i'm trying to campaign on the legacy of slavery and people feel a little bit disempowered they feel guilty they don't know what to do so i kind of said to them well you know there, there are four things you can do you can you can commemorate the event you can acknowledge it within your own uh, church uh, on your websites you could research it and then you can educate your people so that c-a-r-e care so we can care about uh racism today because once we know or we're enlightened to that situation we've got to do something about it you you simply can't then not do something about it and i mean going to the corinthians reading yeah. We're, we're talking about the gospel being veiled. Is that yeah. part of these people not being willing to address things? Yeah, I think um, the gospel may be veiled. Uh, I think the interpretation of the gospel, um, my own hermeneutic or my own uh, unveiling of the gospel relates to cultural diversity so I'm always looking for the cultural diversity angle in the passage or the thing that I'm doing so for example in Mark you've got this you've got Jesus going off to the Syrophoenician woman and he goes through this discourse with her where he changes he initially is quite uh, culturally uh, you know not very nice to the woman uh, from his own culture but then he changes and because of what she says he heals her daughter so that that kind of that kind of uh, change that we have within us, I think, is is a potential for all of us to to do that. But the other the other thing about the Corinthians passage, it ends with um, "Let light shine out of darkness." Who shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of, of Christ? So this idea of light shining out of the darkness, I think, is illuminating. It relates to the transfiguration, the illumination there. It relates to illumination in understanding in developing our own understanding and how how can we put the spotlight if you like on on those things we want people to see without shining the spotlight on ourselves instead of christ um it's 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 to do with i think i think as perhaps education i don't know i mean i i, I don't know whether anybody would show a uh, a YouTube video in their service, which would deal with, say, an example of stereotyping or discrimination or norming or labeling or anything else. But I, I, I think I think that would be a good thing to do. I think that would be a good way that we could actually perhaps, um, you know, address some of this misunderstanding within our own congregations or a church. So I would suggest that is probably a, a way to do that. Yeah, that sounds like a a really positive idea and most a lot of churches these days have got the ability to do that yeah so yep um 
So if we're asking people to to change yeah, um, and wanting to change our world, are, are there things in, in that are going on in the world at the moment that you you want to highlight or um there's uh in this in our own country i think we um i was looking at the mcpherson report 20 years on and the 2010 equalities act doesn't have a definition of institutional racism i mean it doesn't no nobody has one and yet we're faced regularly with this concept with this idea with, with this challenge where people are suffering from institutional racism whether it's the police in Scotland, whether it's uh, the NHS or other institutions. And um, what I'd like to see, I think, is some sort of involvement, uh, some sort of definition which uh, which could be used and incorporated in law, which I think then would, would, would help, I think, uh, our current um, road to integration or, or, or what we're trying to do in, in, in England. Well, I mean, in England, Scotland, and Wales, yeah. I mean, simply because that certainly is not something I wasn't aware of. Mm. It, it, it's a phrase that is used so frequently these days that to think there isn't an official definition, it seems very strange. Yes. Um, it, it was a point in the McPherson inquiry. I think it was the assistant police uh, officer who first raised it 20, 22 odd years ago. And it, was, it wasn't picked up. And he suggested that it would it would be actually a good idea to include that within UK law, um, but again, it's quite a hard road to try and get that campaigned into people's minds. I think uh, Oxford Diocese recently, when I spoke to them, uh, are actually looking at it. In fact, funnily enough, and they may they, they may uh, progress that uh, that idea a bit further. Yeah, I suppose there's so many things that you can only concentrate on um one or two at a time or you're you're in a difficult uh, a difficult place mm. um i mean just pausing for a moment to um think about the the king's reading and yeah. um and and it feels like elisha doesn't want to leave elijah a bit like ruth and naomi um, is there an importance to being there uh, for for things to change, or or simply so that you can then um, carry on the transformation, if you like? Um, I'm I, I'm not sure about the the king's reading, but uh, what what that brings me to think of is the fact that the disciples on the mountain see Elijah with Moses talking to Jesus and just before that in Mark there'd been some confusion about Jesus said who, who do people think I am and um, he they said well uh, um, they said oh maybe you're Elijah or maybe you're you're a prophet so I think I think the, the point of the mountaintop thing uh, experience is, is that it distinctly it clearly distinguishes that Jesus isn't one of those two and you find these three ordinary blokes who say, "Well, oh, well, let's build a let's build a tabernacle." Uh, and I think that 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 dawned on me that um, that was something to do with hospitality, and that they were trying to be hospitable to to the people that they saw there, and that that was what I think what that might have been about. So I don't know whether the king is reading as 
any resonances with hospitality at all because i mean that's that's where i would come at it from i don't know um that's not something that yeah i can't i can't see much resonance with hospitality there um certainly obviously elijah um and i guess that's why it's the lectionary for for this week mm-hmm. um, and Jesus being, yeah, if you like, influenced by the law and being a prophet, but standing apart from Elijah and, and Moses. It must have been quite an experience for the, for the disciples, as you say, transforming them. Yes. Can it, can it transform us today, do you think? Well, I think it does. I think I think um, if we can see the beauty and the goodness in things, and uh, be inspired, if you like, to um, to move from where we are to a better place of understanding. I think listening to God speak, uh, listening to uh, how we follow Jesus. I think listening to uh, what's in the way of that and what what gets in the way of us following um so basically i think we yeah we we does speak to us today and we, we we can change i think um that's 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 the the power of the gospel stories is that it's it's about empowerment so racial justice sunday really should be about empowering our congregations or our churches to to change or to be more understanding or to be more aware of the the issues are to be literate actually i think we we need to develop a literacy around racism and that's the whole thing and that's one of the functions of the church i think would be to do that and having helped people to become more literate how do we encourage them to actually if you like do something about it because folk are very reluctant to say anything um, when they see something that's that's wrong or that, that jars, which hopefully um, being more literate they would see more often. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a, a another step, isn't there, from from that jarring to actually saying something or doing something when somebody does um, discriminate or, or whatever. Yeah. I think it's about creating or enabling our churches to be to be anti-racist churches, uh, and that's that's you know we have to make a commitment for that. We need to write that into our church policy or whatever it is we we do. And once we've got that as our kind of aim, we can work out strategies. Uh, and you know the CTBI have got something out uh, for Racial Justice Sunday. I think it's the Exodus theme, and it's quite a good um, resource with prayers and liturgies, and that's that's really dealing with um, welcoming or, or or not being racist towards asylum seekers or migrants or anything else. So they cottoned onto that that thing, um, and individual churches, I think, have responded to that CT, CTBI by by suggesting what they could do locally. I noticed one. One church in Nottingham, I think, worked up um, what it could do locally to 
assist with this. So I think it's for each church in its locality to decide how best to address. Um, I think one of the suggestions was to invite somebody from a global majority, either church or non-church, in to speak at the church, you know, at the, at the, to the congregation. A simple thing to connect with other people who are doing that kind of work locally. I mean, have you ever have you ever engaged with anybody who's challenging racism in your locality? Do you know what the issues are? You know, um, there's a lot lot to be done really once we start thinking that way. Um, so that's what I would encourage people to do. So, you know, this being racial justice Sunday, this coming Sunday. Yeah. Um, would you start from from there and and look at the readings and and say, or would you start from the readings and say, right, what have they got to say about racial justice today? Um, I w- I would I would I would probably go topical with racial justice Sunday, not exegetical or anything like that, and say, well, this is about change, and who's being changed and what for what reason, and this change that occurs in the ordinary disciples because they see a godlike event which is absolutely amazing we as we you know progress in our own faith can i i, I believe uh, be inspired to to change or to to work for change so i think that would be my topic uh, as to how we could go about that and certainly, I mean, there's a lot of talk generally about wanting to change the world at the moment yeah. and, and so many things that um, folk want to change. And, and I guess part of it is is getting change, the, the sort of change that um, we're concerned about on folk's agenda um, yeah. and enabling them to feel that they can make a difference. Yes. I think I think that's that's the thing about the literacy thing. If we empower people or give them the tools where they feel enabled to be agents of change. But also part part of these, if you like, training in understanding racism or something like that, is about changing ourselves. We we need to be able to be changed first in order then to engage with change in in a wider sense. So a lot of the a lot of the thing is about um understanding our own prejudice or understanding our own stereotyping or how we norm or, uh, our, you know, our own unconscious bias or everything else. So the more we can do that, the more we then can, if you like, if we're part of an institution, recognise our part in, you know, um, ca- causing that institution to be discriminatory in some way. And I know you, you mentioned to me... Um that you have various tools, if you like, that, that can help people. Um, I don't know if you want to, to mention those now, um, and we'll make sure that Rue puts them out so that people can access them later. Yes, I, I for my uh, own sins, have um, produced a YouTube video called Understanding Racism, uh, if you, with my name next to it. And it's a 15-minute long video, but it has exercises all the way through, so it could last much longer. So you could take it in sections, say dealing with stereotyping or normaling or labeling, and just deal with one one, one aspect of it. It also deals with the sort of um, ideology 
of white superiority or racism and how that developed over the centuries and everything else. So, but it's very uh, interactive. So it's very much you're doing an exercise rather than being talked at. Um, um, the other thing is a website on uh, Challenge Racism Scotland, which um, looks at the legacy of slavery in Scotland, but is asking the question, how much of our country uh, has been affected or uh, the economy of, of, the, of our country has been affected by the history of um, uh, the economy of uh, plantation slavery, the goods that were transported, the inheritances that were uh, received, which then built the estates and the buildings, the churches that we that we belong to. And the other thing I would uh, point you to is a liturgy called a simple liturgy to challenge racism, which is published in Common Ground, uh, the Wild Goose Publications, which uh, actually takes you through the um, conversation that Jesus has with the Syrophoenician woman, and is a uh, as a way of actually understanding how Jesus overcomes his own cultural prejudice, and actually comes to a point of understanding with the woman who who then uh, has her daughter healed. So I think we need we need more things like this. I think we need more liturgy. We need more um, we need more spiritual tools really on this um, on this subject. And I think that's what I would encourage people to kind of work on really. Is there anywhere that these can be collected if if folk have something in their back pocket, so to speak, or if they if they work on something um, that they can then make it available for others? Uh, you mean where could they find it? Oh well, no! If if people have perhaps worked on this sort of thing, or you know, just for their own church, or or for, oh, yeah, is there anywhere they can it can be gathered or? Yes, uh, well, I'm a moderator of the uh, Common Concerns Network of the Ionia Community Challenging Racism. So I have an email, uh, which is ccnchallengingracism.ionia.org.uk. So that could be a place where it could be a centre of uh, collecting, if you like, the good practice that people are doing. That would be, that would be an interesting uh, exercise. And also then that I would be able then to... Um, if you like, uh, disseminate that through 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 the other networks that I'm I'm part of or or the people are part of. Well, thank you for that. Um, and I say we'll make sure that um, that information is available for folk afterwards. Um, so, what haven't we covered yet that um, you'd like to add about today's readings or what you'll be preaching about this week? Um, I think. Racial Justice Sunday is about changing, you know, the world and ourselves. And transfiguration itself, we need to de de define transfiguration rather than um, think it's some sort of change. I mean, the change comes in the people who who actually witness the the event. Um, and it, it could be that it could be that racism is is actually a disfiguration. So it's the other side of that coin. So we need to kind of be aware of how that impacts, I think, our society and our churches and our laws. And I think that it's a lot of work to do, really, I think, um, for us. But um, 
you know, I think it's it, it's a call to, it's a fundamental, I think, Christian thing to be anti-racist. It's not something, some, it's an optional extra. I think the whole of the gospel was about increasing cultural diversity. The whole half of it was towards going into the world. So you, you had the uh, mission to the Gentiles. You had the um, diversity in the, the, the disciples themselves. So I think it's quite a, a, a lead that the Bible gives us towards inclusivity. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's that's the core that we have as Christians myself. And it's a it's a high calling. Yeah. Um, and I guess transformation takes work, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and we have to remember that it's it's not uh, something that happens without a, a great deal of effort on on your part and a lot of people's part and mm -hmm. on everybody's part. You said, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and reflections with us today. Mm -hmm. um, and and thank you to the rest of you for joining us to ask whether or how we should preach politics from the pulpit this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share the episode with your friends. We also have online spaces for further engagement and discussion about faith and politics on X or Twitter at Public Issues or using hashtag politics in the pulpit. And we have a Facebook group, which you can access through the Joint Public Issues Team's Facebook page and the website jpit.uk. That's J-P-I-T dot U-K. Let's go into both our politics and our pulpits with a prayer based on the United Reformed Church's worship notes for Sunday the 11th, written by John Grundy. As we journey between the mountaintops and the plains of life, may the transforming power of God inspire us. May the challenging and comforting grace of Jesus guide us. And may the companionship of the Holy Spirit walk with us. And may we journey knowing the love of God within us today and every day. Amen. Amen.